Deciding if you should foster is a life-changing decision for everyone involved. We give our best advice on how to communicate about it, especially when you're not on the same page. That's coming up next. A marriage that takes on the fostering journey. That's what we call a fostering marriage. And this is the show where you learn to keep your marriage the priority and make fostering fit into it, not the other way around. Welcome to the Fostering Marriage Podcast. We hope you are having a great day. We do. Speaking of day, the day just broke. I know. We're here sitting in Middle here Tennessee. And I'm trying to not project too much because there's two adorable deer in our front yard. There's deer in the front yard. And uh, even if you're trying not to project, it's an early morning. So if we sound a little bit different, that's because we sound different in the morning when we get up. So this is the life of trying to be podcasters and have four kids, two dogs, and when do we actually get recordings in? So here we are. Here we are. Well, with the deer. With the deer. Well, they're going to run away with our voices. They are going to run away now, no doubt. Anyway, today we are talking about deciding if you are going to foster and how to have quality communication about it. So this can be a, a huge struggle for couples. You know, sometimes one person is thinking about it for a long time and then they bring it up to their spouse and their spouse is kind of like, whoa, wait a second. This is completely out of the blue. This is a massive life change. No, no. You know, <laughs> that, well, that is the response sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, such an overwhelming, fear-inducing, massive change that it can elicit some people. It can elicit that very quick no, uh, which is, as you'll hear today, that's really not what we're going to prescribe is just to, you know, say no and shut it down. But this can be a huge struggle and trigger for uh, for many people because it's simply so emotional. Yeah, It's such an emotional decision. I remember when we were first starting down this path, the emotions that we felt. Um, but, you know, we've had a lot of help, a lot of healing, a lot of self-awareness and growth over the years. And so that when we have emotions or triggers, uh, we tend to be pretty good at identifying those and being able to manage through them rather than making decisions based on them. Sometimes those decisions we make in those emotions or in your uh, skewed thinking, you end up regretting or you end up making bad decisions. So we're going to provide our best advice today on how to communicate as a married couple, um, especially over the long term, if you stay on different pages. Yeah. So let's dive in then on getting on the same page. Um, so let's start with the person who initiates the conversation and yeah. who's been thinking about it. And they're more the driver, I guess you'd say, of the of the conversation. We have some tips for that person as well as for the one who's maybe a bit more hesitant on, on moving forward. So with the driver, first, you know, we want you to remember that marriage is the most important thing. And what we're going for is unity. Yeah, we say this too because we often forget this as couples that we get down the path of being married and years go by and we can sometimes become casual or lax in our relationship or in our communication with each other. And this 
we that's why we're a broken record on that message. If you've listened to every episode, you will have heard us say, remember, the marriage is team number one. What's the point? The point is that when you're going into a very emotional subject, you have to remember, okay, we're still a team here. We need to come out of this thing on the same page. We need to come out of this conversation or 100 conversations remembering that the marriage is most important, but it's so easy for the marriage to get jacked up when you're bringing up such an emotional topic like this that all of a sudden we're not on the same page and I feel distant from you and now we are moving down a bad path in our marriage. We have to actually remember, okay, we're a team. We have to stay unified. We have to keep our communication civil and good and quality as we're communicating about this. So let's commit to each other to do that. If not, this, I mean, this for some people, this could be the beginning of the end of their marriage is if they start these conversations off in a bad place and then you get down the road and then you decide to go ahead and foster because one relents to the other. Now you've got all this disunity now you add foster and the stress and the, and the pressures and the struggles that come with it. Well, now that wound that we created in the living room that first night and that first conversation is now widening and widening and widening. And this is now you're, you're in massive jeopardy within your marriage. The kids are in jeopardy. Everything could potentially fall apart. Moving forward, you know, another thing that you can do is to share the detail that got you to the place where you decided you wanted to foster. Don't hold back on that information. Talk to your spouse about what you've been thinking about. Maybe you feel like God is leading you to do this. Maybe it's just something you've wanted to do your whole life. Maybe you were exposed to the foster care system and and just some of the some of the needs that are there and you just want to do it. But why do you want to do it and how did you get there? Talk to your spouse through all of those details. Yeah, I think if if you don't do that, you leave your spouse wondering, curious, having even more questions than is even necessary at times, because you, or they don't really get your heart or how important it is, and get all the information out there to serve your spouse really well. And that way they're like, this is where I'm at fully. This is where I'm at on this situation. It's easy in a situation like this to kind of fill out your spouse or to limp into a conversation or test the waters on this of being like, so um, what do you think about fostering kids? And you randomly bring that up out of nowhere. And it's like, um, what? Well, that's a strange question. Why do you even ask me something like that? You know, oh, I was just, just, you know, I was just reading something about it. I just saw something online. And you're like, don't feel your spouse out like that. Communicate where you're at. Don't test the waters. Now, for high conflict personality styles, meaning those personality styles that hate conflict, this is difficult. It's so emotional and it's such conflict and you brace for the reaction of your spouse or you worry about what they're going to say or think. And so you come in super sheepish into the conversation, and then what you receive is 
let's say you were you come in sheepish and your spouse is like, oh yeah, I would I don't know if I'd ever really want to do that. Well then, boom, you take that information and then you shut yourself yeah. down because you didn't initiate the conversation as well as you could have. Now responsibilities on both sides, but right now we're talking about being the initiator, being the driver, being the one who really wants to do this or thinks at least that you really want to do this. Yeah. So in having that conversation and you're giving all your information, this is a great time to get all the information from them. What do they want to know? You know, answer all of their questions about what you've learned or about why you want to do it or any questions that they have and don't hold back. And also don't bully. <laughs> you know, it can be, well, hey, we, we really want to do this. And you start start pressuring your spouse, especially if your spouse maybe is the more compliant spouse. But even if they're not, and you, you know, and you're just pushing and pushing for what it is that you want. You don't want to come into foster care with the other spouse just dragging sure, along. Yes, dragging along. That's a perfect way to, to say that. You know, it, it's hard enough to foster kids when you're not in agreement yeah, or when totally. you are in agreement. Yeah, because you're so if you get into this conversation on this whole perspective piece, your spouse, to no surprise, may have lots and lots of questions for you. So keep answering their questions. Don't shut that down or don't receive their questions as, oh, you, I can tell you just don't want to do this. You're asking so many questions. Because those those questions may be objections, but they're questions and they're objections. Don't take that as, okay, I can tell you're not interested. Never mind. It's like, we're just not going to be on the same page on this one. Answer the questions and have the conversation. On the bully part, I love that you bring that up because being a bully is being controlling. That's what it is. That's always going to be unhealthy in a relationship. So it's don't be that person or don't also don't over question. Like if the person has reservations, your spouse has reservations about it. Don't beat them into submission with questions or pressure either, especially on the first conversation, because you want to get off on a You want to have a good conversation to get off on a good foot in terms of how are we discussing this massive life changing decision? Yeah, because I like that you said first conversation, because the truth is, I, it's a very rare couple where this is just one conversation and you move forward. Totally. There's probably going to be many, many conversations. Yeah, and there probably should be because of how important this, this decision is and how much perspective needs to be found and how much perspective needs to be brought into the conversation. So when I say perspective, I don't mean emotion. I mean information not emotion, let's go into this to do it, or letting emotion drive you to not doing it. We need to base our decisions off of the most quality information that we actually can have. Yeah. And one thing talking about questions is the hesitant spouse may ask some questions that you have just not thought through. And it's that would be a really good thing for you to think through as the initiating spouse and really go, okay, let me think that through as well. Yeah, and on that, you may you may not know the answer to all those questions. They may ask you questions and you may be like, you know what, I'm not sure what I think about that or I'm not sure what I feel about that. And that can go both ways. That's okay. 
we're having a big conversation. It's like we can we can circle back on topics that we actually don't know the answer to. So another key is to manage your emotions, especially if your spouse remains reluctant. Self-management is critical to just life. It's critical to communication in a marriage, meaning I've got to manage my triggers, my emotions, the lies and limiting beliefs that I may tell myself and believe, the assumptions that I may make that skew communication. I have to take responsibility for all that, and we have to work on those things. So in a heightened conversation or in such an important conversation, you have to be able to manage your emotions and your thinking Um, Otherwise, the communication is going to go off the rails quickly, and it won't be quality. So in part of managing your emotions, don't pester. (laughs) So if if your spouse stays reluctant to doing this, don't be the spouse that pesters. Don't be the spouse that guilt trips or, or drops in little comments that are guilting. It's unloving and it's toxic. Don't manipulate. Don't do things like, gosh, I, you know, I think if, if only we could grow our family in, or leave a little post-it note with like a little extra kid with a circle around oh it. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't do stuff like that. But people really do things like this. Or they, they find an article or a picture related to Foster and then they send it to their spouse with a sad emoji or I, but I'm not even kidding people we do things like this of like I'm struggling so much if only you could get on the same page with me mm. it's don't do stuff like that it contributes to conflict and it causes your spouse to feel terrible or it, especially if they don't manage themselves well it's like do you want to go into fostering because you did a great job pestering Guilty or manipulating. Yeah. Or manipulating your spouse to actually well, go into it. And now we're moving down the path. Why? Because one of one of us was manipulated or guilted into doing it. Yeah. That leads the door to a lot of resentment. It will create resentment and it will create massive problems down the road. We start quality, we can execute with quality going forward in our communication. We can't start and get into the situation because uh, with super bad communication. And one of the last one of the last keys of managing your emotions is don't try to control the outcome. This may be the biggest one and most important. And the because, hardest. And the hardest. Because if you're the spouse whose heart is set on this, or you're the spouse that knows God is calling us to this, that it's so easy to start doing things that are trying to control an outcome, meaning just moving things down the road or pestering, guilting, manipulating. All of that is control. Every bit of it is trying to control an outcome. Well, stand back and analyze this. We're now moving down the foster journey because of controlling communication and another spouse allowed themselves to be controlled. How do you think this is going to go? down the road this most likely not going to go well unless you end up having conversations to reach healing and reconciliation over this kind of communication down the road because go down the road six months or a year 
you now have a child and let's say stress is super high the child is super difficult or is very much in great needs and has great special needs and you're strained and you're stressed and the spouse that was reluctant before is now struggling massively how likely is it may they look for someone to blame and how likely is it that it's going to be you if you influence your spouse in this kind of a way meaning being controlling with it or passive aggressive about it we need to be able to see the future here so that we can make the right short-term communication decisions yes you give a lot of don'ts don't do this and don't do that but on the flip side you do want to be graceful and respectful of your spouse's fears and concerns give them time let them ask questions if you are a person of faith pray through it. Just give them the grace that you would want if you were in their seat. Yeah, I think that point is is incredibly powerful um, on the grace point, is that if you were the one who was struggling, how do you want to be treated? I mean, think about like when you're struggling in life or you are dealing with fear or dealing with guilt or if you're the spouse who's reluctant, and how likely are they possibly feeling guilty or bad because they're not on the same page with you yeah, and they're struggling because of that. And if you come at them strong or aggressive or unloving or ungraceful, how much worse is that going to become? Even if they stay reluctant for a long period of time, it's like we have to practice patience and grace in our communication because this is a, again, a massive decision that is filled with emotion and a massive decision that can trigger the worst things we struggle with as people can start to come to the surface and we've got to be able to communicate through those things so we definitely don't need to make it worse by not being graceful or not being patient with a reluctant spouse yeah so along with that another key is to be willing to give them time and i think i've mentioned that once or twice already but be willing to give them time to process this again it's a huge decision and people need time. They need time to to think through any fears they have, concerns they have, and you need to be willing to give that to them. So a final key here is prayer. Um, and especially if you're a believer, I mean, this is this should be a no-brainer, is the power of prayer, seeking God, seeking His will, seeking wisdom from Him is key. Uh, If you're not a believer, then this one doesn't apply to you. But if you are, then prayer is an absolute must. This decision needs to be showered in prayer constantly. All right. So if you're the hesitant spouse, we want to talk to you about like, what are some tools that you can use to have the conversation? And side note is that obviously we are pro-fostering. But we're not saying that every family needs to do that. So we don't want you to hear oh, they're going to push me into fostering. No, that is absolutely not what this is about. We just want to give you tools so that you can have a better conversation with your spouse about it. So again, we're going to give you the same tip we gave. We started off with your spouse. Remember that the marriage is most important. Team unity here, people. That's what we're going for. Yeah, another. And so as we start with that foundational, when we move right into uh, what communication looks like, is that if you're the hesitant spouse, 
gain perspective on why and ask other questions you want information on from your spouse who wants to do this. So gain perspective on why. Ask questions of your spouse. Find out where they're at. If they're not sharing enough in detail with you, go after the information that you want. If it's not in the first conversation, do it in the second or do it in the third because then initially this conversation may rock you back on your heels or your your natural response may be, you know what, I've got a process on this. Yeah. I don't even know what to say right now. Right. I just need time to think and process. Let's talk about it later on after when I have some more questions uh, that I've come up with or I have more information I've come up with. So ask questions to get the information because ultimately that's going to be the best way to make this decision again is with the most quality perspective. Another thing is to validate your spouse's emotions and desires and how important this is to them. If they're expressing this is really important or um, they feel like they've always wanted to do this and maybe they've never had a serious conversation with you about it or they are hearing from the Lord, they're hearing from God and they're sensing from God that you all should do this, don't just schluff that off. Don't minimize that. And so don't shut down them or not validate their emotions or how important this is simply because you're struggling over it. Because that happens a lot in communication. Is a spouse will come to another with a big topic and it's emotional and the other one doesn't handle it well or treats the spouse poorly. And now the spouse in this case starts to feel either hurt or starts to feel shut down that may put a brake pedal on this conversation for the next year because of how poorly they experienced you in the conversation when they brought it up. So you've got to manage yourself well. No one's saying probably that we have to do this, that we have to make a decision in this one conversation. This should be the first conversation of probably many conversations and we eventually get to a decision. Yes, the next key is to manage your own emotions. Like we've mentioned, this is this is an emotional topic. This is a major life-changing thing. And there may be some fears that you have or concerns, but don't let that shut you down from communicating. Be willing to just manage that fear and ask questions and and have the conversations. Again, don't shut your spouse down. There Feelings are just as valid as yours, and you guys want to have those conversations and talk through it. On this topic of managing your emotions, this next one is a massive one and a very, very difficult one to do, and that is to acknowledge your own selfishness coming to the surface or your own selfishness sitting there in this conversation, which may look like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to upset the apple cart. I like the way our life is. I like the way our home is. I like the way our family is. Or we've worked hard to get ourselves to this place. Why would we, why would I do this? Because it sounds scary and it sounds painful and it sounds like sacrifice. Our selfishness is a real thing here. So we've got to be able to work through that and in my advice to you is don't let that just shut you down from communicating about it. I will go as far as saying that 
this is a good thing that your selfishness is very visible in this context of a fostering conversation because you now have an opportunity to deal with it. You don't have to, you have an opportunity to. So a lot of people are like, this is where I want to be. This is my desire. This is where I want to stay. Okay. A lot of people want to see that, you know what? I'm seeing things in myself that I really don't like, that I can see that are holding me back. Then wonderful. Process through those things and work through those things because that's growth. That's personal growth. And the less selfish we can become as people, the more serving we can become which is essential in a marriage period, regardless if it's a fostering marriage or not. So another key is to be vulnerable and share your concerns and your fears with your spouse. When they bring this up, be willing to um, just go a little bit deeper than maybe you're comfortable going. Practice letting your spouse question you on on that. You know, it's it's difficult and you have to be vulnerable, but you want to get to why you don't want to do this if you don't, you know, or maybe you, you're not like, well, I absolutely don't, but eh, I'm not, I'm not so sure that I do. Just be willing to talk that out. And if you're like me, sometimes that's going to take lots of conversations to even yourself understand what it is that your actual objection or concern is. Yeah. And here, and the big part of this point you're bringing up is that you may get to a the root of your concern and you may not like that because it reveals something about you that's like, wow, this is going to make me look really bad. Yeah. Because the root may be, I'm just selfish. Yeah. And I don't, what, I don't, I like that. And I've, I'm really seeing as you're getting a question of, well, why don't you want to? Well, these reasons. Okay. Well, what's your concern here? Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, what's your fear here? Well, I'm afraid of of whatever it may be. And as you're processing through all these questions, you kind of get to layers deeper and layers deeper to what your real objections are. And that may be, I'm just looking out for myself here. And as you sense that coming, that you sense that that's what you're about to have to tell your spouse, you may shut it down. Yeah. Because you're too afraid of what they're going to think about you. And this is another time where it's like practicing managing those emotions is critical because it's getting so vulnerable and so difficult. Yeah. So the final key is the same as before, is that this should be showered in prayer, that pray for wisdom, that we have, we know of many couples coming into these situations that one of them's wanting to do it, the other isn't. And then over time, their heart changes. But before, they were a hard no. But then over time, they actually become, they they just, you know, either God changes them or they process through a lot of their own struggles and objections and get to a place of now actually wanting to do this and to, you know, change your family and, and serve uh, serve these children in this way. And those are, those are really powerful stories. But I'll tell you, they usually don't happen overnight. No. Those happen over years of time. Yeah, which brings us to talking about what happens if you're still not on the same page. Again, we know those stories that that it goes on for years. And when I say years, I actually just met a mom the other day and their story was over 10 years. 
And you've got to be willing to keep the conversation going in a positive, non-pestering way um, and just keep bringing it up from time to time. So, Mary Beth, what if someone just heard you say 10 years? I don't want to wait 10 years. They're just like, oh, my gosh, they're struggling with the thought of it taking 10 years for them to get to this decision. They maybe would be good for a year, but thinking 10 years, it's like, what's what would you tell that person? That That's difficult. That's tough. Um, but again, your marriage is number one. Your marriage is priority. And being caring for your spouse is incredibly important. You know, I think we go into foster care and we think, oh, but we can serve these children and we can serve and care and love on these children. Shouldn't you practice that with your spouse first, I guess, yeah. would be the question. And and it it can be hard because your own selfish desires to do this. And you may say it's not selfish because I'm doing this to serve these children. And that is it, that is true. But it's still your desire that you want to trump your spouse's desire. And so it's hard and you're, you're going to have to just practice incredible patience and incredible kindness. Yeah. And the the way that you put it there, use the word we. It's that if we are going to take care of these kids well, we have to get to that place together. Yeah. It can't be I want to get us there so that we can take care of these kids. I really don't think that's going to go very well. So guys, we want to we want to end this uh, this episode by actually sharing our story of how we got on the fostering journey. Um so do you want to kick us off on that? Sure. We had talked about adopting. Gosh, we were engaged I think when the conversation first came up. But, you know, we got married, we had kids, and then I started feeling God say, this is something that you guys need to be considering. And so I went to Joel one night um, and I was like, hey, I think this is something that we need to start praying about doing. And and that's where our conversation started. So you bringing up this topic was at the time you did. This was and this was a what two probably two or three months maybe after I had gone on a two-week in-depth biblical studies trip in Israel. And the power and impact of that trip cannot be um, overstated. Um, One of the, the, Mary Beth did not know the extent of this, but one of the major takeaways that I had coming home from Israel was I knew, I knew, I knew that God was calling me to a higher level of generosity in life. I knew he was, but I had no idea what that looked like. And so all of a sudden, we're in this conversation. Months later, Mary Beth brings this up, and that all comes right back into my mind of God reminding me, I'm calling you to greater generosity, which would mean I'm calling you to greater selflessness, and I'm I'm calling you to shed selfishness. I'm calling you to be a better servant as a person. And I knew it. And so we had this conversation and I remember having all that thought, which was actually very comforting to me because in that is a feeling of like God is in this and he's with us in this, that he's moving us into something. We're not alone going into this. He's calling us into something. 
So I trust that he's going to take care of us if he's calling into something. Not that it's going to be pain-free, but he's going to take care of us into something that he is moving us into. And so what what were the next pieces that came after that? Well, gosh, we started our home study process. At this point, I mean, I know I was a hard no for fostering. Yeah, and I wasn't really crazy about it either. So we, it was like, we're just going to go through with adoption. I remember us, you know, filling out who we'd accept for adopting, you know, like babies or older kids or whatever. And, you know, just that everything that you, the 5 million questions that you have to answer going through that home study process. You know, we get to the end of our home study process and we start just seeing different adoption situations. And at the same time, we're trying to raise money to move forward with adoption because it is incredibly expensive. And we just were not raising a ton. I mean, we raised, I don't know, a handful of thousand dollars. Yeah. And we had that, but we couldn't move forward with accepting a placement. And at the same time, we're learning there's so many couples waiting to adopt that newborn baby. And in the meantime, there's all these children who need someone in a foster care type of situation. Well, I was still like not keen on foster care, but there was an organization, Hope's Bridge, that um, was becoming an organization right around the same time that we were um, going through our home study process. And one of the women in our church was on the board for Hope's Bridge, and she introduced us to it. And then we knew somebody else who was on the board and she introduced us and we're like, okay. I'm like, well, let me just reach out. It's a super small organization at this point. I don't, maybe they'd had one placement. I mean, it was brand, brand new. new organization at the time. And so I'm like, let me reach out and talk to the director. Oh my goodness. Her passion and her enthusiasm. I was like, yes, we need, this is where we need to go. So I went to Joel and I'm like, and this is what Amanda and I talked about. And this is where I feel like we need to do. And it's so funny. You were just like, okay, great. Let's do it. And yeah. so, and so let's, so let's back up just a little bit as well and talk about our communication along the way. So many of the things that we teach on this podcast, we practice them Yeah. that otherwise I can, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't live with myself as a teacher teaching you all stuff and not actually doing it myself. So like we don't, you know, get off this podcast and go and go fuss and fight with each other and have a terrible marriage. We practice what we do and we still fail and we still mess up. And then we work on how do we recover from conflict. And so coming back to our communication along the way here, I felt like because of our coming into these conversations, our friendship, our marriage, our respect, the growth that we have had in our personality styles, the growth that we've had in greater levels of self-awareness helped us have really good communication along the way, let alone we're coming at it from a faith perspective as well, because we're coming at it from a, a service perspective, a way to be generous to other people in a, in a very big way in terms of bringing children in need into your home. And yes, there's sacrifice. Yes, there's suffering. Yes, there's getting attached to kids who may leave. But I, it was so powerful. I forget who said it. Maybe it was Amanda or someone who said that the child's need 
for your attachment outweighs your fear of attachment. And it's a convicting thought, but what does it require? It requires sacrifice. It requires selflessness. It requires knowing that you're probably going to get hurt in the process. You're probably going to experience things that are super difficult. And it's, are you up for it? Are you willing to do it? And I'm going to encourage most people. Now, I say that generally. I'm going to encourage people to move forward in that direction. But our instinct as people is to move away from pain, not to move into it. And so you will talk to people along the way and people will say, is there, you know, talking about, you know, hey, we're going into fostering and all that kind of thing. And the typical response is, I could never do that. I would get too attached. I totally understand. Mary Beth and I totally understand because we've experienced this as well. And so before I get to that part of our of our story, because we practice all the things that we're trying to help you with, our communication throughout this process was, I feel like, was really good. Yeah. And it was really easy because we already came into it on the same page on so many different things just in our marriage and in, in, in life period. But going back to the beginning of the conversation when you first brought it up, while I had all of those thoughts coming out of Israel of generosity, I also felt my selfishness come right to the surface of my skin. I felt it, and I knew that's what it was. And I had felt this before, because over the years when you had brought these things up and thinking about you know taking care of special needs children, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a world of difficulty and pain and suffering. And all of my selfishness says, don't do that. You don't want to do that. Why would you do that? Well, all of that came to the surface again when you brought this thing up and brought up this conversation. This time, though, I had the clarity coming out of Israel and my experience there of God is saying, I'm calling you to higher generosity. That gave me power to push through all of my own selfishness to where we could then move forward and let's pray or let's pray. And then we got to a place of moving forward and we continue to pray because we trust that God is going to close doors if he actually doesn't want us to do this thing. And we pray for God to close doors on things in our life. So it was a very different dynamic for me when you brought this up because I had that information from God. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of circle back to one other thing because I feel like it, it was a little confusing when I was telling, you know, we had this conversation and then you go into talking about, yeah, because, you know, you'd been called by God for greater generosity. But I do want to back up. Adopting, the idea of adopting probably came up three or four times, maybe more. I don't know. Once every year, two years, three mm -hmm. years, it would come up. And it was always a hey, maybe we should do that someday. So it was never a serious conversation. When we got to this point, I went to Joel and I was like, I feel like we need to pray, have like a serious prayer time about adopting. And like, this was the first like serious conversation about it. So I think the seed had been planted for us. It just... It yeah, was, there were. This wasn't the first time we'd ever talked about it. No. It didn't catch me out of the clear blue. But it was the first, like, 
major for conversation. For real, I think this is something we should do. Yep, totally. So, yeah, you heard us give a shout out to Hope's Bridge earlier. Um, we are still great friends with them. I mean, you just talked to Amanda like yesterday or the other day. They're coming over on Friday. Um, if you're in Middle Tennessee and you're interested in fostering, look up Hope's Bridge of Middle Tennessee. It's a wonderful organization. Um, and they're, they're, I mean, we've heard of in the last month alone, they've probably had what? Well, in the last two weeks, there have been 12 placements. 12 placements. Yeah. Um, so major traction is happening. And so look up Hope's Bridge as an alternative to foster, that there are alternatives to state foster system. And Hope's Bridge is providing one of those alternatives. So um, check them out. They're wonderful people and they're great friends of ours. So again, honoring each other's desires and emotions is paramount. Remember, the marriage is priority number one, always. Well, our friends, we hope this has been helpful for you. Join us next time on the Fostering Marriage Podcast. Mm -hmm.